Hello friends, Denny Pruto here with another lesson on an approach to sermon preparation. In this lesson I'm expanding on the idea of determining your text. In the last lesson I broke out uh, a distinction between topical sermons, textual sermons, and expository sermons. And I'm leaning in the direction of expository sermons. And I think most ministers and preachers and Bible teachers lean in this direction. And so, when determining the text for an expository sermon, this seems to be the uh, basic principle. For expository preaching, find the complete thought of a text. Now, I'm using the idea of a thought here in a more expansive way. What is the complete thought or discussion that an author is having? What is the complete story that an author is telling? What is the uh, complete uh, idea in a poem or a prophecy that a prophet is giving to us? We want to encapsulate all the thought of uh, the prophet or the storyteller or the preacher in an epistle. Uh, this is important. Uh, I'm going to use as an example, and then using it as an example, uh, Paul in Romans 4, when he uh, talks about justification and uses both Abraham and uh, David as examples of justification by grace through faith. Uh, listen now to Romans 4, verses 1 through 8. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works his wage is not credited as a favor, but what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin, whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Romans 4, verses 1 through 8. Now I suggest to you that a complete thought, as far as the Apostle Paul is concerned, is given in this pericope, this preaching passage. Notice that uh, the passage begins with a question. What then, has, what then shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh has found? And then the passage goes forward. And when we come uh, to verse 9, there's another question. Is this blessing then on the circumcised or the uncircumcised? These two questions seem to mark off the text. The text I'm selecting, Romans 4, 1 through 8, uh, begins with a question, and then the next text also begins with a question. I pick up on this because there's a definite transition between verses 8 and 9. 
If I turn back to uh, another text in a narrative passage in uh, Matthew 26, it's uh, quite easy for us to uh, select uh, Matthew 26 verses 6 through 13 as our passage. And why would we select this passage? Because this is a beautiful story about Jesus being anointed by a woman in the house of uh, Simon in Bethany. And uh, we would easily select this little passage. But I suggest to you that uh, we might want to expand the passage slightly. In verses 3 through 5 it says, Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas, and they plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise riot might occur among the people. Verses 3 through 5. Then in verse 6 begins the story of the anointing in Bethany. But in verse 14 we read, Then one of the twelve, named Judas, went to the chief priests. The chief priests are brought back into the picture. And said, What are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they weighed out thirty pieces of silver. Then from uh, then on, he, that is Judas, began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. We have the uh, story set up uh, with the idea of the chief priests wanting to uh, take Jesus into custody. Then we move to the anointing in Bethany. And then we move to Judas betraying Jesus. And how do we remember uh, Judas? Uh, Continually in Scripture, he is the one who is remembered as the betrayer. Notice uh, what uh, Jesus says in verse 13 of this text at the conclusion of uh, his being anointed. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, uh, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. And the question is, how are individuals remembered? Are they remembered as loving Jesus or betraying Jesus? And the whole story, including the ideas of betrayal by the chief priests and Judas, the whole story is brought into perspective. And so I suggest that larger pericope is an appropriate preaching passage. Going back to Romans chapter 4, what do we find? Listen carefully to the question that Paul asks in verse 1 of Romans 4. What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh has found? Paul wants to answer this question. What did Abraham discover? What was it that came to him suddenly by the Holy Spirit working in his heart before God when he heard the promise of God? And the text you see is not simply about a doctrine, justification by grace through faith. The text is more personal. The text is about what individuals like Abraham have discovered as they stand before God, that justification, 
their right standing before God is not on the basis of what they have done, but on the, on the basis of what God has promised through Jesus Christ. Paul uses the example of David along this same line in this same preaching passage. Just as David, notice how uh, Paul continues the argument and continues the thought. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And then Paul quotes from Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Yes, blessed is the person whose sin the Lord does not take into account, but by grace through faith reckons to that individual and thinks of that individual as righteous. Forgiveness and the gift of righteousness are two sides of the same coin. We see this in the argument that Paul is presenting. So I submit to you that the whole thought, the complete thought that Paul is giving in Romans chapter 4 and verse, comes to us in verses 1 through 8. This is not a text that is simply about justification. It is a text about what individuals discovered, individuals like you and individuals like me have discovered by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When we grasp that this is the case, a more profound message will come to the fore, and this is what expository preaching is all about. Using the details of the text to understand exactly what's taking place in the text. And again, this text is not simply about a doctrine, but this is a text that concerns the discovery of an individual, of the great truth of justification by grace through faith. And understanding the text in this light makes all the difference in the world. And so, uh, I submit to you that in determining your text, in expository preaching, find the complete thought of the text. And let me add something that, that I think is important in this regard. Uh, years ago, in my first effort to go through a complete book of the Bible, I went through 1 Peter. And I have in my uh, files uh, something like 85 sermons on the five chapters of 1 Peter. But in the course of uh, going through 1 Peter, uh, verse by verse, and unfolding Peter, uh, 1 Peter in this fashion, uh, one of the things I discovered is that I was getting down into the minutiae and examining, as it were, the moss around the foot of the trees in the forest, and I often failed to get up and get the big picture and see the beauty of the forest as a whole. And this is what happens to us in our preaching and in our teaching. Uh, too often, we unfold text thinking of only the minutiae and not getting the bigger picture. And people go away not understanding the themes and the great uh, thoughts and ideas that are given in books of Scripture. And they fail 
to understand this because we do not genuinely engage in expository preaching and give them a bigger picture of what's taking place in texts of Scripture. So, again, the principle is, in determining your text for expository preaching, look for the complete thought of a text. I'm going to use Psalm 100 as an example in this process. Stay tuned, and thanks for listening.